Hello, and welcome to the next episode of Trials with Maya Z, brought to you by TrialHub, a data intelligence platform that helps clinical research organizations and sponsors plan clinical trials. This podcast is about how we can make clinical trials more successful and patient-friendly. I am your host, Maya C, and in every episode, I will be interviewing a leading expert from various industries in order to discuss some of the major challenges and brainstorm how we can solve them. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. This is Maya D, and I'm together here with Tony Perez, one of my dearest friends and one of the most experienced clinical research professional that I've seen and that I've met ever. Um, Tony is um, fortune of knowledge. It's hard for me to introduce Tony because uh, he's been working with both pharma, uh, smaller, like the smallest biotechs as well. Uh, has been included like involved in um, multiple uh, advisory boards um, and like many things to say. So Tony, let, let me give you the word to you and, and introduce yourself. Thank you, Maya. Well, I'm Tony Perez. I was born in Barcelona. I'm a physician. I am a specialist in intensive care. And I joined the pharma industry 36 plus years ago. I devote most of my life in the pharma industry in Switzerland, also in Spain. And my main two areas of expertise are oncology and infectious diseases, or in the other way around. And I've been gifted to work with large, large pharma companies. Always, always, and always in headquarters and companies with the size of 80,000 employees till companies with the size of two employees. And since January 2007, I am a consultant for different companies. And nowadays I'm working for four or five. And the headcount of all of them ranges between two and ten. Therefore, I am really heavily involved on a daily basis in a small companies with all the good things and almost no one but think about that because, you know. Wow, that's good to hear. Most people see more challenges in smaller companies, but see you're a, a true innovator and you, you get excited about um, starting new things and, yeah, working on new projects. That'd be great. Actually, you working and being involved in that many uh, smaller about the companies is the reason why I invited you to discuss, because we had a lot of discussions in the past, uh, all, all sorts of topics. COVID-19, you had such an interesting, uh, we had such an interesting conversation back then. Uh, but um, today I wanted to invite you in, and discuss actually what are the challenges of biotech companies when they're they're planning their clinical trials. And we will focus today primarily on these smaller biotech companies, the ones that have up to 10 people, for example, because um, we discussed that with different sizes of companies, you face different challenges, uh, but there are many, 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 many biotech companies the size of up to 10 people uh, who are now starting to think about their clinical trials or, or are in the middle of planning of trials. And we wanted to address some of their challenges. And as I said, you're a fortune of knowledge. So it'd be great to hear from you, which are the top challenges that you saw in the past and maybe also tips how they can overcome these challenges. Well, if I need to summarize, there are two. The main two that come to my mind are resources. Um, mm. With small biotechs, the budget is in hundreds of thousands at the very best, maybe single digit 
millions mm. if you are gifted, but they spend mm. over time, that means years. And the second is experience. In a very, very small company, there is no time to teach. Everybody should know as much as possible in their own areas of expertise. You need to have your sleeves always roll and to do everything. Um, and it doesn't matter the titles, the positions you had in the past. You have to do everything, which also gives you the freedom to create. You cannot blame any management or any, any, any organigram. You are the backbone of the organigram. That will be my two most relevant points, resources and experience. When we speak about companies up to, let's say, 10 FTEs. Mm -hmm. Got it. When we speak about resources, uh, how are they related to planning of a clinical trial? What sort of resources do you actually need when you're planning your next trial or next phase, for example, when you're a small biotech company? Depending on the, the company, you, you rely on a few investors, sometimes in your network, or maybe some companies that like to invest in a small biotechs. In organizations like, you know, all these uh, European community organizations that provide grants, and also in some grants that come from some, uh, some entities within a given country, that tries to boost the, the science and the work from some biotech. These are the three main sources of, of resources. Often, when you start or when you plan a trial, very often, you know in advance that you don't have the money to pay the whole mm -hmm. trial. Then along the trial, or when the trial progress, you need to try to bring more money because otherwise you already know in advance that you don't mm -hmm. have the money to pay a trial that maybe is going to last Coast to cost, a couple of years, and you know that you have money for maybe the first nine months, 12 months, but certainly not for the total 24 months. This is completely different to a big, big company. This is uh, with regard to, to resources. Yeah. So does it mean that um, what you're trying to achieve is you start a clinical trial and you hope for a positive result that will allow you to go to uh, the next investor and say, hey, I have these amazing results and and yes, give me some more money to continue the research. Yes, that, that is what is happening nowadays in all the activities I'm doing in all these companies. Then you, you need to, to start, uh, there, there are these kind of rounds and uh, round A, round B, different rounds to raise money, to raise interest, to try to attract investors. Uh, and that is, that is daily life, which in... 100% of the cases relies on the CEO who attends meetings, rounds of investors in order to bring the money to the, to the company to, to pay a trial that is uh, planned and sometimes the trial that is already ongoing. But you already know that you have a limit. Your horizon is no more than, no more than 9 to 12 months in most of the cases. You, you know that you have money for the next six, yeah. nine months, but difficult to to think beyond that point. Difficult. Mm. difficult. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. And you mentioned the other challenge, the other big challenge is experience. How to plan the clinical trial? Um, I've heard stories where uh, 
CEOs of biotech companies are speaking with investors and they're pushing them, okay, but give me how much, like, give me the budget and, you know, but they don't know how to calculate the budget because they're not coming from, let's say, precisely clinical research experience. So how do they overcome that? In most of the cases, uh, they try to, at least to bring to the small company, people with experience and people who may help them in the ranks of investors or people who may help them at the time to to foresee what will be the total cost because it's, it's gigantic. I can tell you that nowadays the, the cost of a single patient in some trials, we may speak yeah. about ranges from 50,000 to 150 euros per patient, which is a lot of money. If you start thinking about trial with 100, 200 or 300 patients, then you start counting millions. When a few minutes ago, I told you that in these companies, they count in hundreds of thousands, maybe 1 million, 2 million at most. And then in, in all cases, what I realized that is that the more experienced is the staff of a little biotech, the better. Mm. Because as, every, as everybody knows, experienced people have agendas, contacts. They certainly know what they know, and they certainly know that there are many things that they don't know, but they know to whom to How call. to figure it out, yeah. And, and, and that makes things much easier, much, much faster. Then it is extremely important not to, not to spend money in people without experience because maybe at the end of the day, they are very, they are very expensive. And, and, but sometimes you cannot do that. But that is probably the, one of the, how, how can I say, the tips for success. Bring to the, your company, a small one, people with experience. Everybody knows what should be done. Everybody is an expert and you don't waste time teaching about square one concepts in clinical trials or in the pharma industry. Then usually you need to, you need to have someone good in finance, which probably is the main role of the CEO. You need to have a physician who knows diseases and medicines and clinical trials. And then ideally the other one should be like more scientific. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you may try to find people with an area that is beyond my knowledge, but I know that is very important, which is manufacturing and production. This is a key mm-hmm. area, which is extremely important. And then what you usually do is to contract out <coughs> data management, statistics, ECRF. You contract out um, monitoring, you contract out regulatory affairs, you contract out pharmacovigilance, either using uh, single individuals or to contract out a company that can provide to you almost everything I just said. Like a clinical research organization, for example? Like a clinical research organization. Because sometimes they can cover everything, medical writing, they, they, they can cover all that I just mentioned. I hope you're enjoying this episode. If you find this topic relevant, you'll find it helpful to book a demo with our team on trialhub.com. Since 2019, we've supported more than 3,000 clinical trials with country, site, and patient feasibility. We'd love to show you how and help you get your trial right 
from the start. And now, back to my guests. I actually have two questions now. I'll start with the first one. Um, I actually running my own business. Uh, I know how important it is to have people, experienced people, but also being a startup, I know that sometimes you can't afford these people. So I wonder in the biotech space, for example, um, is it a good idea if you hire experienced people, but maybe part-time, for example, if they're not full-time committed to this company, do, they, do you think that they will still provide like good, like it, it, would it be still beneficial for the company, even if they're part-time? Well, I forgot, you're absolutely right. I, I forgot to say, in all cases, it's part-time people. Yeah, it's only, it, it, it's working well. It's, it's part-time people. And then, mm-hmm. but everybody should know that there are, all of them have limitations, they have limits. Because why? Yeah. Because you cannot cover everything. You, the, the main way to, to, to be successful is to, to hire external experienced people in order to, to try to advance the, the program. And then there is a broad spectrum, a broad plethora of services companies that can mm. be of help. But, and then here is what you need to, to build like a ranking. Um, of course, now we are speaking about a clinical trial, then you need to, to try to contract out a CRO or segments or parts of the CRO mm-hmm. or maybe freelance. Sometimes the, the monitors are freelance, but data management and statistics and get record form is, is provided by another company. And then you contact a, a company with expertise in regulatory affairs. You contact mm-hmm. another company with expertise in pharmacovigilance. Also, that has a problem because the more service companies that you contact out, they need to speak to each other. And sometimes it's better to contact out a CRO that you know that belongs to a single system, a single unit. And and then there are let's say secondary service companies in case you can afford to pay for something which is nice to have. Uh, different than what I as a supposed what what just said that is mm-hmm. you must have for a clinical trial. Then we can speak about marketing intelligence, uh, pricing, uh, positioning, branding, all these, uh, all these areas which are certainly important in a biotech is extremely, extremely difficult. Speaking about clinical research organization, it's a very interesting uh, topic. The dynamic between sponsors and CROs is, let's say, well known. Um, so I wonder, like, um, I've I've heard many companies saying, well, we prefer the big CROs because they have it all and we can trust them. They have the experience. But then there are the others saying they prefer the smaller CROs. Maybe they don't have everything, but they are more um, flexible and they can customize their services according to our need. In your practice, actually, when would you recommend a big CRO and when would you recommend a smaller CRO, for example, or maybe going with multiple vendors for yeah, different services? I know it's a big topic. Uh, no, no, but I was just uh, in, in real life yesterday on this topic and I was speaking with some several. But my, the advice that may apply for the vast majority, but not certainly for everybody, is that when you're in a small biotech, the top 10 CROs, forget it. 
for the top 10 because you are nothing for them. You are nothing. They have much more personal in a in a canteen than you go in it. Forget it. If you go for a very, very small CROs, they used to have limited capacities. They may not provide the whole full services and the quality could be good, could be not that good. Probably the best is to try to find out middle-sized CRO. You know, someone with less than, I, I would say, less than several thousand people, but not tens of thousands of people. And also, if one day you have the opportunity to look at uh, three, four, or five budgets for a proposal that you have made, you immediately know which one is simply looking at the budget. Because there are CROs that are known to be two to three times more expensive than the average. Then the big CROs provide extremely good state-of-the-art services, but the prices are extremely, extremely high. Then my advice is, as usual, you need to contact for a, a clinical trial around three, four, five CROs, uh, trimming, trimming the, the limits of them, either not the top 10, not the bottom 10, of course, and then something that really works, chemistry, and whether they have the real, real experience. You know, when you have in front of you someone who says, I was confronted with this situation three times last year, you immediately notice the body language, the words, the advice. Wow, he or she knows a lot. And then there are multiple multiple examples where you immediately know when, when you ask for a a given clinical trial in a given indication is not the same. The one who said, yeah, we have done some, maybe we'll pass to you some information. Others said, we have done all these trials, all these patients, all these faces, all these countries in these years, in, in this indication. Wow. This around knows what we are looking for. I, I completely agree with you. But at the same time, I know um, I've heard of another perspective. Very often at the big defense meetings, uh, biotech companies, especially the small ones, are to meet a very parent team from the CRO. But that doesn't mean that this is the team that they are going to work with. And they suddenly end up with a team that hasn't experienced these things actually. And I'm not saying that they are less, uh, let's say, less professional or they will do less work, let's say. Let's put it that way. They'll, they'll, they won't put enough effort. But uh, what you now said, yet I'm impressed by their experience. Uh, it's not always guaranteed that you're you're going to get exactly this experience once you start working with the company. So sometimes experience comes with the team, right? I fully agree with you, but also it must be understood that it's not the same to be a small client than to, to be a, a big, big client. And also, mm -hmm. let me also defend, because I also collaborate some, sometimes with CROs, but sometimes the CROs are approached by a small biotech's and the one who has the experience is the CRO, not the biotech. That is, it's both ways. It's both ways. Then, then it's understandable that when you are in a small uh, company, you ask for a big, for a single trial. It's not the same when you act on behalf of a big pharma company and you ask for a big for the whole program, you know. Four phase one, three phase two, three phase three trials. And then the way you are treated is completely different. Absolutely. Normal. That happens everywhere in the world. 
And also what I told you is both sides experience. There are a small, a small value text where there is no experience then the CRO immediately notice that what they have no clue at all what to do. They ask basic questions and, and also it creates some, some type of, how can I say, mismatch between the CRO and the project or it's the way around. Then we, we need to understand that there are multiple scenarios and we need to, to look at all of them because there is no one side fits all. Yeah. Definitely. With King for paralysis, it's a range. Yeah, definitely. It's a fully really Yeah. And, and Tony, what would be your advice? If, let's say, you're a small biotech company, let's say your background as a CEO is not clinical research, you're new to, you have this amazing idea, this great innovation, and at the same time, you don't come from a clinical research background, and maybe or maybe not, you don't have a, a, someone on the team, for example, uh, that has this background. But you're, you really want to do this clinical trial and you're meeting these zeros and maybe you don't have this know-how internally, but you are, you're willing to work on that. So what would be your tip in that, in that case? Um, the best is to try to trust in those people who you give them full, full confidence. It's not what you say. And I've been confronted with this situation. I must say that in the majority of cases with a very, very good positive outcome. There are always exceptions. My advice is the same that I will give to anybody. If you have the power, if you can decide, but you enter in an area where you do not have the knowledge, bring one, trust her, trust him, and follow her advice, follow his advice. That will be mine. I would say there are many, many areas where I am actually ignorant. And in you know, paperwork, taxes, I sign. I pay, I don't ask, I trust. It makes my life easier. But it is true that sometimes you have new comics who they believe that they know and make everybody's life difficult. But this is a general principle. I would say if one day you are a CEO and you have a very brilliant idea, but you enter in an in a area that you don't know, bring people that you trust, give them the freedom, and follow their advice. Otherwise, it's immediately uh, easy to perceive that the CEO, the CEO has no, no clue at all. You know, and, yeah. and there are millions of anecdotes about that. But generally speaking, you need to, in the other one, you're an expertise. Do the best, try to explain everything, try to demonstrate. Till one day, people trust you and they say, okay, you know, do it. I try to do it. You need to also provide this kind of confidence, or you need to gain this type, this type of confidence from others. If only I were, I don't know, a CEO of an area that I have no knowledge, which it will not happen, and that is what I will do. I will bring to me people that I know, okay, what? I am here to help you. Yeah. What do you need? What do you need? Come to my office only when you think that I can be of help. Otherwise, you are experienced enough do it. These are the goals of the company. There are, these are the limits. Let's try to work together. But I think that this, this advice applies for almost everything. Everything. You're right. Yeah. You're like literally this, describing what leadership means to know, to lead where you know what, what you're doing and then empower others to know that more, more that, that know more than you 
to give you the, the give you the advice and then guide you uh, in their areas in a way. So if I am to summarize, um, if you're a small biotech company, it's best to, um, of course, attracting money is is difficult. Uh, but if you believe in your in your in your idea, go for it. There are different ways you can get some money, and then maybe plan for milestone. Maybe not plan for the entire clinical trial, but start somewhere and then prove that your idea is really good one and then continue. Um, and then, yes, get some people, advisors, consultants, maybe even part-time, but get people that really understand their space and then trust your partners. Uh, I also agree with you that sometimes it is hard to find the right uh, biz like business partner, the right clinical research organization or any sort of other partner. But if you are to invite them to work with you, you better trust them. And I like what you said, actually. Find a way to get this chemistry, this balance between know-how, personal skills, and yeah, you like each other in a way. Yeah, and as I'm telling you something that it seems to me that you know you're better than me because you have also your staff, you have a lot of workers. Okay. I, am, I don't think that I'm saying anything new to you. Right. But you know, it's just to see whether we we coincide also in this opinion about many others that we coincide. It's a tonic. that is true. My at least my senior staff is people that I trust. They know what to do, and I don't have time to teach them. They they should be fully aware about their area of expertise. And then maybe there are other employees that you don't need to be on top of them. These are the rules of the game. Go 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 and and conquer the world. Exactly. Tony, thank you so much. I really hope that uh, uh, different stakeholders will listen to this uh, episode and learn, uh, um, maybe not even learn, but just get some, some sort of a validation of some of their, um, their questions on top of their heads. And I really hope that there will be a even better collaboration between vendors and the sponsors. And the end of the day, everyone wants the same thing, better medicine, better treatments for everyone. And it's important to collaborate. Thank you so much once again, Tony. Excellent. Thank you, Maida. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed listening to Trials with Maya Z. If you're interested to hear more about how clinical trials can serve patients globally, subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Have a great day.